Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey guys, this is Erica Ramirez, Senior Editor at Billboard, and this is the 15th episode of the Juice Podcast. And with me today, I have Garrett Kennedy, music writer from the LA Times. Garrett, I appreciate you calling in all the way from the the West Coast, where you probably have more beautiful weather than us, so let's not talk about that, or I'll get jealous. (laughs) Thanks for having me. And then I also have Stephen Horowitz, former editor of MySpace because... Uh, I'm coming to Billboard. Yay, we're stealing him. <laughs> I have been poached. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I'm starting as associate editor for the magazine. Uh, start next week. Yeah, congratulations. So, thanks, I'm excited. Welcome to the Billboard team. Yeah. Um, so let's get started. Garrick, you're, uh, a good way to start this is to say that you're a proud member of the Beehive, yes? Yes, absolutely. So when Beyonce's remix to Flawless with Nicki Minaj came out on, I believe it was like Saturday night, uh, were you, were you, were you not at the actual on the run show? In L.A.? No, I, I was going tonight, too. I was in, in Boston, actually, okay. uh, at a journalism convention. But it was one of those moments where the song came out and life stopped. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, well, how did you feel with the first listen of, of the remix? What were your thoughts? The first listen, uh, I was actually a little bit taken back by uh, just how much uh, ish she was talking, I guess I should say. Um, but also, I, you know, you could also see a little bit of the anger. You know, there was a lot, there's been so much said and so much going on in the media, starting back with the video, you know, in March. I just felt like there's no choice, though. Whatever she put out next, if she was going to do a remix or if it's going to be another song on the album, it's going to somehow be tied to everything that's going on right now. So I thought this was a great way to hit it, which was using Flawless, using this song that we're always talking about and always quoting and just really just ripping off, you know, a whole new that we haven't seen from her before yeah Stephen, what's what were your thoughts when you first heard it uh i was at a party and i was in a room with a bunch of people and we actually stopped everything that we were doing so that we could all <laughs> crowd around the computer and listen to it um i didn't actually absorb anything that was going on on the song until the next day uh, <laughs> and it was my my reaction was it just felt like uh beyonce was letting go she like she really was having fun she sounded like she was having fun beyonce was like a very, I guess you could call it a self-serious album about marriage and reflection on, you know, what it's like to be booed up uh, for for life. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she she was having fun. She brought in one of the funnest rappers that's doing it right now, right. and uh, it's funny how the balance kind of shifted because 
Beyonce took on like that crazy cackling uh, thing that Nicki Minaj does all the time, and then Nicki was spitting like serious bars because right. I think she had to bring her A game to a Beyonce remix. Right. So yeah, I thought it was great. I thought it was fun. It did exactly what it was supposed to do. I, I agree with both of you guys, especially Garrick, when you said that it was kind of her opportunity to speak on all these rumors in a way that's very much her and also very much Jay-Z. Like, I think they both have used, um, like, remixes or featured verses to kind of uh, respond to whatever rumor is going on at the time. You know, Jay's done that with the whole Drake back and forth. And so when I first heard it, it was not only is it very smart and very Beyonce but I also thought it was very Jay-Z and them like to kind of take that opportunity and have fun and just address whatever they thought they needed to address and so in particular the you know billion dollars in the elevator line um did you guys kind of laugh when you heard that or what was your guys's reactions with that specific verse Garrick you you go first um, the first time I heard it, <laughs> I, I did I did the actual pearl clutch. I said, "Oh, really? We're going there." <laughs> uh, it took a couple of times listening to it before I said, "Okay." I actually, in a weird way, like admired her for you know sort of speaking on it, but still not really because it's still one of those things where the reference was it was hilarious, but it it felt like it felt so very businessy and it just felt like okay yeah there's a billion dollar elevator but this is still your husband and this is still your sister so this this moment that happened you're basically passing it off as well it's, it's a billion dollars so of course you know there's something's going to happen so it, it still felt very businessy it didn't feel like that was a personal family thing which maybe that fight was a business thing maybe it was Solange blowing up at Jay over you know some rock nations or something like that but I just felt like oh I mean, it was cute, and then I enjoyed it. I thought it was, I thought it was slick, but I was like, damn! I was like, it sort of kind of just felt like she was like business casual, I guess I should say. Yeah, I never, I didn't even think of that. That's actually a really good point. What, Simon? What did you think? I, I thought it was comical. I think the first time you hear that, you, you just like feel the need to like scream, laugh just, the like, way, <laughs> laugh the way she laughs at the at the end Seriously, of her it's, verse. It's yeah, crazy. It's uh, very self reflective, but um, I think. Uh, I think it was like Jordan Sargent from Gawker wrote this whole thing about the elevator incident, and he said something that stuck with me that was, uh, this was the first time that Jay and Beyonce have not had control of something, and it kind of turned into this crazy thing. Like, they didn't know what to do. They put out a statement that was basically a way of saying, we've addressed it, but we haven't addressed it, so don't ask us about it again. Right. And um, Beyonce, like, addressed rumors by posting Instagram pictures. Right, like right, Instagram right. is the new press release apparently. Yes. <laughs> so for her to go on record and say something like that is a way of kind of reclaiming her control over herself and the situation. Um, that being said, I it kind of didn't make sense to me that line. Like why would shit go down if there's that much <laughs> money in all here? Like wouldn't, wouldn't they be more inclined to protect their assets? <laughs> That is also very true. Something I did not think about. Um, I do like when Beyonce talks her shit. I think that that's it's, you know, for so much time Beyonce has really you know held back, kept to herself as she was kind of becoming this person, this artist that she is now. So for her to just, I take it as her also having fun when she talks shit. Um, but I mean, the New York Post literally probably has like a story every day of you know rumors of their divorce and all this crazy stuff i 
don't know where all this is coming from. Like, it's kind of crazy how fast the rumor mill is going. But I always do believe when it comes to these things that there is something true, at least a little bit, even if it's 5% true. And I think it just goes back to that elevator incident. Um, I don't know. I mean, I what do you guys think as far as the rumors of their divorce? Do you think it's just kind of BS or... Do you think there's something there? I actually have a really strange conspiracy. Um, since, you know, this, this, is take, this has taken over my entire life. I just really just need to say this. <laughs> I have come to this conclusion. I think this this allowed uh, going to see On the Run has definitely helped me come to this conclusion on Sunday. Because, again, saw the show. She does not address <laughs> the new song, just like with the last tour where she dropped an album and then it's bullshit, and I'm going to act like I don't have a new album out. Anyways, um, I, I really do think that it goes back to that control element. And when they lost so much of that control in a really public and embarrassing way, I think these are two people who are so smart that they're going to do everything in their power to steer the conversation back in their own way. I would not be surprised if B did not go to a stylist somebody and say, listen, I'm going to need you to go ahead and go say this story this week, this story the next week. I'm going to need you to go ahead and do this because what's going to happen is, is the conversation has left the video. And they don't care that we're out here talking about their marriage is crumbling because that's all that we then had to go off of based off that video. So saying, you know, oh, the tour's not even going to make it to San Francisco, I mean, it was getting so comical to a point where it's like there's no way that these are actually legit sources or if it's not a plant. That is my, that's my new theory. Like, I just really feel like they have a hand in this to keep this going in a different direction. I would not be surprised if next month mine is a single because that is the only song on that album that's so very revealing about how she feels and a relationship and things like that, and it, it all it will come full circle. And I think that that's – this, this is just what I have in my head because it just seems right now that these stories are so laughable to the point where it's like, like everybody's grasping for straws to try to get something, but nobody has anything because, again, nobody's in that campus talking. Nobody. Right. I I think that's crazy. So like, I mean, I don't know what you think, Stephen, of like, of them planting a little some seeds themselves. It's possible. I mean, once again, they were out of control of their uh, their public image, and so this could be a very circuitous way of reeling that back in and gaining the power back. But then again, these are two very powerful people, like. Maybe they don't, maybe they think they're above media. Like they don't do interviews. They don't do that stuff. Right. So they post Instagram photos. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know, even thinking back to what was one of the stories recently, uh, or maybe it was that main attack piece, um, where it was, oh, this is you know a business relationship, and you just think how much work that is to put that on. How much work it must be to go on this stage every day. They, and kiss as many times as you do and all this other stuff. And it's like, listen, we all love the actor, but she's not that good of an actress. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I just think there's just too much to just be like, yeah, it's all phony. It's doing this whole thing. And the second that the show is over, it's a divorce. Like, I just feel like that's just a lot of work. Neither of them needed to go on this tour at all. Like, they don't need to. That's like she just said, there's a billion dollars. They don't need to be on this tour, you know, over the summer. So doing all this, like, as a facade, I just felt like, well, this is getting a little kind of, kind of to the left now. Yeah, I mean, I definitely do think we'll see how true this is once, you know, now that the tour is also over and, like, if this continues. And it's, I think, to me, it's going to start looking a little more suspicious. Um, I feel like it makes sense for these rumors to come up as they're on tour and they're together. Like, you have something to, like, rip off of in a way once if the tour is still going on. 
there's only two more days. And, you know, and I feel, I just, you know, I think it's really fascinating that, you know, that's been so much of the focus, but there's two days left. I mean, the tour is basically over now. Let's um, switch gears real quick and talk about you, um, Stephen. You brought this up a little earlier. As far as Nicki, Nicki Minaj's verse on the Flawless Remix, how Nicki and Beyonce kind of switched roles. Um, I, you were on the podcast a few episodes ago talking about Nicki Minaj. So what was kind of your thought on Nicki's verse on, on the remix? I, I thought it was great. I thought she, I mean, lyrically, from a lyrical standpoint, she was really on point. Um but I think uh, she gave an interview, I think, the next day where she was like, she had this really funny line when Beyonce or G. Roberson reached out or something. It right. was like, she was like, um, after I received tropical medical assistance and started breathing again, like, <laughs> yeah. she, I think she knew that there would be so much pressure on this and people were going to scrutinize it in a way that they wouldn't have scrutinized pills and potions or they wouldn't have scrutinized Anaconda because it's Beyonce and Beyonce is a, a bigger star, to be honest. Yeah. And, um... So I think she had to come very seriously. And uh, it didn't sound like she was having a lot of fun. I think she realized how much was riding on it. Because if she's the one who messed up the Flawless Remix, then she's she's at fault. Then that's going (laughs) to screw her promotion up. Yeah. I mean, and she kind of pressed pause on the promotion and the release of Anaconda. I assume because of the Flawless Remix and getting that alert that it was coming out then and there. Um, There was... Garrick, what did you what did you think of of Nikki's verse? You know, I, it was interesting because I, I while I loved her verse, having Anaconda so close to it, I almost now forget that she's on Flawless. I mean, that, and I feel really shady saying that, but it just I love Anaconda so much. But then going back to Flawless, I, I'm there for Beyonce. I'm there for you know the shit talking. I'm there for all of that, and I liked Nikki. I thought it was great, but. After she dropped Anaconda, I really just completely just totally forgot about her on Follow. So I guess in a roundabout way, I'm saying maybe she didn't make that much of an impression on me. Um, you know, even though I go back and listen to it, I'm like, okay, yeah, she really became, she brought it. Um, you know, definitely sort of almost, I could say, in a real weird way, reminded me of Monster forever ago. Um, just the level of intensity that she gave. Um, but again, it just, I mean, I, it set the stage for Anaconda. If, if Anaconda was weaker, then I would have been like, ooh, well, I got this Beyonce, you know, remix, you know what I mean? Whatever, this side of Nikki, that hasn't happened for me yet. But, you know, she came out with a really strong song after, so I've almost just forgotten about her on Flawless. Right. I mean, so you're, you're a huge fan of Anaconda. I am. I, I like that it appeals to both, like, her younger and her also older fans because it has that retro feel in that sample and then also... You know, it's also very fun, you know, and she gets to kind of play both roles, which as we have, as I mean, Stephen, you and I and Lauren, when she was here, talked about is having that balance of both fun and like the lyrical rap monster that she is. Um, what did you think of Anaconda? I, at first, I found it a little messy. Yeah. It's really sound clashy. Oh. Uh, but Is it a lot going on? Yeah, for you? there's a lot of noise, but... Um, now I love it. I think it's super playful, yeah. and it's kind of the Nikki that we haven't seen in a long time because she's been doing all these very serious rap records for the streets because she, I guess, felt like she was losing that credibility right. and felt like she needed to feed the streets. Um, but when you take a look at something like Lookin' and um, 
then you compare it to something like pills and potions, those are completely different on the emotional spectrum. And then Anaconda comes in and it's just probably falls right in the middle. Yeah. So I think she figured that she probably needed the club record. And like I can already picture booty pop in to wait till that video record. comes out. On, uh, I can't wait. I think it's only gonna get a little crazier. Um, but I do want to go back to Nikki's verse on on flawless because um, she did kind of you know say something along the lines of um, kind of she's a queen of rap and she's she said slain with Queen B, which I. Hopefully I'm right. It means B as in Beyonce. And then Lil' Kim uh, releases a remix to the remix where she kind of stops Nicki at that very, you know, part of the verse and kind of says that she's the queen of rap. And Steven, you and I were kind of talking about this a little bit offline yesterday um, as to, and I asked you kind of like why. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. You thought that Lil' Kim just kind of took it and, and ran with it. So referring yourself as the queen of rap, I, I mean, you're bound to ruffle feathers. Like that's a very bold proclamation. And Lil' Kim has kind of made it her smear campaign to kind of reclaim that glory because she was the queen of rap. There's a song that she has um, called All Hail the Queen, and it was never released. It was supposed to be on Notorious KM, but, like, she she just goes on and on about how she wears the crown. And, like, to lose that glory like a fallen queen is probably the hardest thing that you can deal with, especially in the rap profession where it's all about royalty and being at the top of the game and being relevant and all this stuff. And... Um, I think that the worst thing that you can do as a rapper, and I say this all the time, is to be silent. And the last record that Lil' Kim put out was in 2005. And it's about to be 2015 in a very short while. And we still don't have a Missy Elliott album. We don't have a Lil' Kim album. Right. We don't have a DeBrat album, which I'm only thirsting for. <laughs> and, no uh, <laughs> but um, because of that, Nicki slid in. And like she says, like like bitch is mad because I took the spot like she did take the spot and I think Lil Kim putting this out maybe it's about a title thing but I think it's probably jealousy too I mean she didn't stop at the remix like she the very next day she put out um identity theft where she has a driver's license of hers with Nikki's photo um kind of pasted on there I just I mean I love the single artwork I think that's kind of hilarious um but also I mean I don't think she's stopping anytime soon. I don't think Lil' Kim is stopping anytime soon. My question is, why 
specifically Nikki and not just like Remy Ma also or Iggy Azalea also and all that. Well, look him had her spat with Remy Ma already. She's pre- she's pretty that's much over. That's over and done <laughs> it's with. A, it's in the past. Um, I think it's easy for uh, to come at the person who's the most successful, but I actually think it's it has deeper roots. And like Lil Kim will tell you that yeah. um, she's gone on record and she's said it a million times that she was supposed to have a deal with Baby and uh, they were going to do business together and they were going to be on the all, all in the same song and put out a video and then Baby pulled the plug or Slim pulled the plug and or in whatever. comes Nikki and in comes Nikki. But uh, I think you take a look over the past maybe. Five years that Nikki has been active, uh, at least in the public spotlight, and I think it. I, I think Lil Kim's claims are really warranted. Like Lil Kim retweeted something I think last night where it was pictures of her side by side with Nikki, and oh, Nikki's Jesus. wearing the exact same. <laughs> I mean, we're talking maybe ten years later, and nobody owns a look, but she's wearing the exact same wigs, exact same outfit. Everything is the same, and it wasn't just once that this happened. This happened numerous, right. numerous times. Right. Um, so on an image level, Lil' Kim could be pissed about that, but I mean, take a look at fashion. It's very cyclical and things always come back. Anaconda, she samples Baby's Got Back. Like, I mean, people just look to the past, um, Sorry to rant about this. No, but I have it's a lot okay. To say. I like how Garrick is laughing in, a, <laughs> in the background. Um, one more point to that. Uh, Nikki kind of took a lot of the same approaches that Lil' Kim did. Um, it's not just about image. It's about uh, lyrical approaches. She talks very frankly about sex. Uh, she, you know, she look look at her on the cover of her mixtape from years ago. She's right, squatting right. just like the hardcore promo poster. Um, she, you know, she worked with Diddy. She worked with all these people that were really close to to Kim. And you know, I could see Kim thinking, "You took my spot, and you intended to do it." And now you're firing shots at me on records as well. Like, I would be offended, probably. But if that happened, I mean, clearly it's a long time rivalry between the two. And it, I felt like it kind of quieted down. And then Nikki kind of started promoting her new, the pink print. So she has these featured verses. She has these singles. And then um, in comes Lil' Kim. So... I didn't hear any shots from Nikki on her recent verses. I mean, she does clearly call herself the queen of rap. So I guess if that's a shot, then yes, it is a shot. It just seems a little too close to Nikki's winning streak right now for it to be um, to, for it to be because of the past, because of those album covers and because of the image and all that. That's just what I think. Um, Garrick, what's your take on the Nikki Minaj and Lil' Kim content you know ongoing beef guys have both hit it on the hills on the nail so closely for me um you know i got to go back to what you said about being silent and i think that is so much of this i mean for kim to still be at her age no shade blaming everything at this point i mean you had fallen off before we even were really fucking with nikki i mean th- these are all things you know after little kim's album you know her relevancy it, it started to fade you know rapidly you know of, of course you know you get you get something from someone who was on the top so much but how much of that was really her doing you know i mean i think we always still forget okay if this ain't somebody who's really writing all their rhymes to begin with that's all been discussed and in, in the in the old and you know in the public and so i just feel like you know at this point 
you know, when when Nikki arrived and when it was, you know, very colorful when she's posing and doing the the, uh, the squad and, you know, everything like Little Kim and things like that, I, I took it as more of an homage, you know, almost because no girls were around, you know, and then this is the girl that we really love, you know, the most, so many of us. So, and, you know, and I can't even imagine being a female rapper and you're now coming out in a time where there is no female rapper. So, of course, you're going to be inspired. Of course, you're going to want to remind us of that. Now, Nikki was a little bit messy and was getting a little bit, you know, annoyed when, when questions were brought up. I can remember the first time I asked her about it. You know, this is before um, the first album was out, and she, you know, she huffed at me. And I'm just like, I mean, though. It's a very relevant question, but I just think that now – here we are, a couple albums later for Nikki. You know, while I think this it's died down is because her refusal to address it, her refusal to name that. You know, all she's going out of her way to say, you know what? And then this is just me being in her mind. I think that she's saying in her mind that she's just not. She's not calling nobody out. She's not saying, you know, oh fuck Kim, or she's not doing anything like that. So I think it's really, I think it's almost pathetic now at this point for Kim to now be like, okay. Well, this chick is on, you know, she's trending with these two songs. Let me hop in there. You know, that flawless remix that Kim did, I was so embarrassed by her because I'm like, Mama, though, you got to speed up this, <laughs> you got to speed up the, the pace of the song so that you don't, the pitch and everything so that, you know, you get it pulled down. I just feel like you're bigger than this. You're better than that. But she's been bigger and better than that for years, and she continues to still do this. I mean, if you really want to get into it, Iggy's sort of kind of even winning a little bit more than Nikki right now. So why are you not even attacking this girl? I just feel like it's so petty at this point, and it's just really sad. But I will give her Identity Thief. It was a song I wasn't embarrassed about. I did knock with it at my desk, and I gave her a little shoulder pop. And I said, well, at least here's something. And I'm like, all right, it's so bad to the point that I can't be like, ooh, because I can remember giving you my money on PayPal, and I never got an album, Kim, so I'm still pissed. Like, on some real Never got it. Like, still upset about that. And I just feel like, you know, she's just continuing to just tarnish her own legacy. Because I don't think anybody out there has said, oh, my God, Kim is terrible. Kim is always in the No. Everybody has been on her side, but the more and more that you keep losing, people still can't ride for you. So I just, I think watching how it all unfolds and watching the Twitter reaction, I'm just like, you guys are, like, this is really, this is not even serious right now because this is so bad to the point where it's just really, really embarrassing. Like, you just had a baby, and, like, here you are coming after this girl for these unrelated songs that are not about you. Right. Yeah, see, that's that's my problem is that it's way too close to, it's it's aimed directly at, at Nikki. It comes way too close to Nikki, you know, doing her thing right now and kind of winning. And I said this on Twitter, and, I don't, Nikki's not checking for Lil' Kim right now. And that's nothing, like, against Lil' Kim, but Nikki is busy being on the Flawless remix of Beyonce. And Nikki's busy putting out Anaconda and, like, you know, kind of doing her own thing. And I think that in rap, yes, it's very common to beef amongst one another. And, you know, Steven and I, we talked about this yesterday, how you mentioned how the reason why it's different, people look at it differently when it's between women and it is between men is because there's so few women that people want to see unity just because of the lack of, of female rappers. And I completely agree with that. So that's also why it's just like, you know, Remy's out here kind of doing, getting back into swing of things and Iggy Azalea is doing her thing. And while all of them have all said in their songs that they're better than the other person, as you should, you know, as you should feel like you are the best, you're granted that, it just it feels a little 
like it feels like Lil Kim is reaching when it's directly at one person. I mean, she has the right to say that she's the queen of rap, as does Nicki, as does Iggy, because they're all doing their thing right now and you're supposed to feel that way. But it's just a little too close to, you know, like I said, Nicki's winning streak for me to take it so seriously. Um, I know, Steven, you're both a very big Nicki and Lil' Kim fan, <laughs> so this is probably killing you in the inside. No, well, I mean, what really killed me was right around the time that Kim was putting out the Black Friday mixtape, and I did an interview with her, and she tried to deny that any of it was about Nicki. Right. And I we got actually into a heated <laughs> argument about it, and I'm sure... <laughs> Anybody who interviewed Lil' Kim on that interview cycle would say the same exact thing. She defended it. Even she said, where's the proof that I'm doing it? And you'd say something like, you're stepping on a pink wig. (laughs) And she's like, no. But like, then she'd be like, but she'd somehow like go around around it. it. And she was really good at that. I give Kim props for putting journalists in their place, even though she's wrong. But (laughs) I think now there's a point where it's very obvious what she's doing. Right. Like, there's, no, she, it's quite literal now. We, like, now I mean, we'll, we'll just print out the single artwork and say, well, this is that. And that's also what I said when I first heard the um, the remix or to the to Beyonce's Flawless remix is just don't go back on your words or don't go back on your verses because it's very clear that you're going at one specific person. So when asked later, you know, it's going to be kind of petty to say, no, that wasn't about. Nikki, or no, how could you say that when it's just like, okay, well, here's a printout of your single artwork, and here's what you said. So it just, I mean, again, if if Kimmy's going to go in, then go in. Just don't backtrack on your actions or your words and, you know, reclaim the crown as that's what she says she's doing. Right. I will say one other thing about, uh, my like, having love for both Nikki and Kim, and I said this on Twitter uh, a few days ago. Um, something along the lines of, uh, you know, I will always ride for Kim Moore, and I think the reason is because she has better records. She has n- numerous classics. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't call Notorious KM a classic, but Hardcore is a classic. That is a blueprint for for females, just as Nikki's trying to do with a pink print. Um, and La Bella Mafia is a classic. I, Garrick, I know you love The Naked Truth, but I, I don't think that that's, you know, it's not my favorite Lil' Kim album, but... But you're not going to um, call it a classic. Are you going to do this to me right now? I'm going to right now. Like, it's really early, though. <laughs> it's your favorite? Okay. When it, it's Garrick's classic sure. Lil' Kim album. Okay, sure. Um, all that being said, uh, you know, when it all boils down to it, it's about the music. It's not about image, and I think that's why this beef is really petty, and it makes Kim look petty. And that breaks my heart that she's doing this. But, I mean, to be honest, what are her other options? Make songs that are not. Yeah, kill. she was like, I remember when she was beefing with Nikki at first, she said, I could kill her with my old shit. And my first thought was, kill her with your new shit. But So, okay, so what are your thoughts now that she is, you know, putting out these, at least these two songs. I mean, I'm not, who knows if Identity Theft is going to make the hardcore mixtape or, or like that. But if you consider these two new shit do you think that she's killing Nikki with them? I don't think so at all. If you put the Nikki's verse on the Flawless remix next to Identity Thief, I it's very clear who's a better lyricist. Um, I think what Kim is doing with this is she's actually hurting her brand as a rapper. Like people, people always said that she she didn't write her rhymes. Biggie wrote her rhymes, but as the years progressed, her lyricism kind of got worse. 
And now she's at a point where her Kim's Flawless remix was bad rhyming. That was that was like kindergarten rhyming. So I think she's only hurting herself. She's not hurting anyone except Lil' Kim. Yeah. Garrick, you also, uh, you said earlier that you weren't a big fan of the Lil' Kim Flawless remix remix. It, it was really embarrassing. I mean, the thing with Kim, because I'm also, like Steven, I'm a huge fan, but just watching where she is right now is just almost insane. And, and I can remember the last time I went to go see her was this really tiny club. And, you know, she's, and I get, and I love it for, I love her for this. Sure, the tiny club, she thought she was a staple center. I mean, there was 15 costume changes. She was doing the absolute most at two o'clock in the morning, but was doing no new stuff. And it's just like, I just feel like, why can't you do anything new at this point? Why are you still hanging on to all these older songs, which are still great? Mind you, still great. But everything new that you even put out is just really kind of terrible. You know, and it's just like, I feel like she's just doing more damage to herself. I'd rather, I'd rather her to be putting out songs. It doesn't have to be about, like, I don't, I don't want it to be about Nikki. I just want to just put out material. And, you know, keep putting out more and more material. Say, okay, now, you know, Kim is back. Maybe you can get that, that queen title back. But, I mean, right now, you got this chick from Australia killing you with all this pop shit. <laughs> Nikki's been killing it for years, and there's just there's nothing else right now. You know, and it's, I've been saying this for years. Like, I, I would really die happy if I could get a ladies' night part, too. Like, I would die so happy. You know what I mean? Like, if we could get Missy back out, if we could get the brass to finally, you know, pull it together. Let's get Remy on this. I mean, I'm really dying for, like, a new moment with some of these older girls that we love. At this point, I'd even take a Lady Marmalade remix. <laughs> I'll even take that. I'll even take that. Well, I think that's a, a perfect way to end this <laughs> to end this episode of um, the podcast. I appreciate you guys both uh, coming on here and kind of talking talking your shit uh, about all this craziness that's going on in, in hip-hop. And, you know, with Beyonce and Jay-Z. Thank you so much, guys. It's just-